0: During the pandemic we've learned that people are effective and people show up and people are able to build relationships and we're very intentional about maintaining a sense of community and culture at reddit that our culture does not live in offices it lives in our hearts it lives in how we engage with one another and we trust that our employees will show up for reddit the way they have been for the last year and a half no matter where they do their work from
1: that was reddit chief people and culture officer nelly peshkov and in this episode i'm really excited to chat with nelly about her career her background thoughts on remote and hybrid work inclusion and so much more so we'll be right back with that conversation after a brief word from our sponsor support for the redefining hr podcast comes from pin pin is building the world's first employee centric communications tool powering fast-growing companies like shopify rubric and sneak automate messages across the employee journey so you never miss an opportunity and your employees are supported every step of the way from onboarding to becoming a new manager and more pin helps companies communicate at scale go to pinhq.com for more information that's P-Y-N-H-Q com. Reinvent communications for the distributed workforce. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Redefining HR Podcast. I'm your host, Lars Schmidt. And today, I'm really excited for this conversation. I'm going to be chatting with Nellie Peshkoff. Nelly is the Chief People and Culture Officer for Reddit Um, somebody who I've known for years off and on, but actually haven't had a chance to have this kind of a conversation. So we're gonna do this live uh, for all of you. So Nelly, thanks so much for making time to come on the show. Um, Why don't you actually start, if you don't mind, with just a brief uh, introduction for viewers.
0: Thank you for having me, Lars. So Nelly Peshkov, I live in San Francisco Bay Area. I lead People and Culture for Reddit. I'm a mom of four boys two dogs, three cats, that's it for now. And have been in the HR industry for way over 20 years, probably closer to 30 now, I'm aging myself. But of course, absolutely love it, and it's been a pleasure knowing you, Lars, over the years.
1: Yeah, well, let's let's go in the Wayback Machine to start, because you have a lot of, obviously, I want to dig into, spend a lot of time in your role at Reddit, I want to spend a little bit of time in your most uh, recent role at Netflix. But let's go back to the beginning like what was it about hr that originally pulled you into the field
0: you probably have heard this story before my plan was to major in psychology which i did i dreamed of being a therapist and helping people out and then throughout my young adulthood i realized that i cared too much I will not be good at creating boundaries and I needed to find a space where I can help people be successful, but not be so invested in helping people solve their problems and not be able to close that door when I go home. So I discovered industrial organizational psychology, which was my master's program. And as a typical immigrant child, I worked through high school, through college. So being able to marry my work ethic and my love for businesses and helping employees be successful with psychology led me to HR.
1: Yeah, so you're, uh, you know, the the majority of your earlier career was focused on recruiting. You had a, a range of different kind of talent acquisition roles before moving into a broader talent role, and then obviously a role now as as chief people and culture officer. Walk me through that transition, because I think, you know, some people, you know, there are people who come up through recruiting uh, and that, that's the area that they want to stay in, and they will always kind of work in there. Um, but there's a lot of people also who have been doing that, and you know, I, I mirror myself in this because I kind of did the same thing in my own career where you, know, you, you, you reach a certain point, and then you, you want broader challenges. You want to be able to kind of apply some of what you learned in a different area. So what, what was that like for you? Like, When did you know that it was time to kind of broaden beyond just uh, talent acquisition?
0: I actually started as an HR business partner. And I loved that. Then my company was acquired and the recruiting team just needed help to merge and to scale. And I was asked to join and pretty much fix things and scale up. So I started then in recruiting operations and then ultimately was asked to lead the global recruiting team. And um, the interesting part is when I even started as an HR business partner, I knew then in my early twenties that I wanted to head up all of HR because I was so curious about every aspect of HR, every single function. And I wanted to have experience in every part. So when I was asked to move from an HR business partner to recruiting, one, that's what the business needed. And I was happy to step in and help where I could be most helpful but also I was excited to learn something different besides the HRBP work. And then after that, um, when I went to Electronic Arts and then also my Netflix, I just ended up going back and forth between HR Business Partnership work and recruiting, sometimes doing both at the same time and leading both teams. Always had my hands in talent management and inclusion and diversity. And I just always had this perspective of, Wherever the company needed me, wherever I could be helpful, wherever I could design, innovate, fix things, I'll just jump in. And I knew I would love it because it would be challenging. It would be something new usually that I haven't done before. So you could say I was maybe born to be the chief people officer (laughs) because I'm equally passionate about everything that we do. And I love partnering with the business, helping the business succeed, but I also love equally figuring out how tools and systems and processes can help us be more efficient and more effective.
1: Yeah. And it's interesting. And I I definitely want to get into, uh, you know, your current role at Reddit and how you're starting to build some of those processes and systems. But um, before we go to Reddit, you know, one question you'd spent the last, you know, prior to joining Reddit, five years uh, running talent for Netflix. Netflix, launched a lot of different initiatives during that time under your leadership. Like when you look back, what's one project uh, and, and output, what, what are you most proud of in terms of the, the, the work that you did in Netflix? What stands out to you?
0: To be honest, I think I cannot choose between two biggest impacts, so I'll mention both. Okay, I'll, I'll give you two, right. I'll, I'll, I'll
1: make an exception. Yeah, for you.
0: Thank you. Um, one was growing the company globally. When I joined, we were 1500 employees and just opened our first entity in Netherlands, but very much a US based company. And then I grew Netflix in over 20 offices around the globe, and it wasn't just hiring great people globally. It was figuring out how we can sustain what is great about the Netflix culture and the focus on high performance, the focus on freedom and responsibility, empowering people to do their best work and having minimal processes, minimal policies, minimal programs, and just relying on context and guidance and clear goals and North Star for people to do their work. Now... There are certain aspects of Netflix culture that didn't scale well. So learning how to preserve the what but be flexible on the how was the biggest lesson for me that I think prepared me certainly now for Reddit, but also allowed me to truly build amazing teams that had a really high global IQ and EQ. So I'm really proud of that. Just to give you an example, Netflix has a culture of feedback. In order for people to be high performing and to grow and to evolve, you need to rely on your colleagues to be candid with you and tell you what areas you need to improve in, what areas you need to sustain that you're doing great And Now what feedback looks like in different cultures is very different. So as we begin to grow those teams, realizing that it's not going to be one size fits all expectation for how feedback is practiced in every office and educating the current leaders back in the US about what great looks like with that nuance is something I'm really proud of because I think I really helped the company grow its global IQ and EQ. And then the second part is my, and my team's work in inclusion and diversity. Again, when I started at Netflix, a Los Gatos-based high-tech company, and also increasing, developing and then increasing the inclusion and diversity knowledge and understanding and realizing that to entertain everyone in the world, we needed to have people in the company who had different experiences and different walks in lives and different perspectives. So getting the, starting with the executive team and then ultimately helping build employee resource groups and all of our employees really passionate and excited about inclusion and diversity. I was there for the early work and then so it evolved and grow and ultimately we hired a VP of inclusion strategy, Renee Myers. So I'm very proud of studying the work and now seeing it continue to grow and evolve and seeing Netflix be much more diverse and much more inclusive than it was in the early days.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the uh, Netflix released their first, I think it was their first diversity report uh, earlier this year. And, and, you know, for as much as technology companies have been struggling with diversity, they've been making real progress. And, uh, and so the, the, the results spoke for themselves. Also, being Netflix, I love the way they packaged the report in a very visual and, and multimedia kind of interactive way. Um, so, yeah, I can, I, can, I can see how that stands out to you that takes you to your role. Now you're again, chief people on culture officer at Reddit. So for listeners that aren't familiar with Reddit, you know, if you can maybe give an overview of the business, uh, but then I imagine most, you know, listeners are. So from there, if you could just give an overview of like headcount and then, um, size of your people team to kind of support that business.
0: Well, Reddit is a community of communities, where people truly can dive into anything through experiences built around their interests and their hobbies and their passions. So our mission is to bring community and belonging to everyone in the world, and we have now more than 100,000 communities ranging from breaking news and sports topics to TV fan theories, cute animals, cute babies. There's truly a community on Reddit for everyone. And we have over a thousand employees. We've doubled during the pandemic um, and we're spread across eight offices globally in New York and San Francisco and Los Angeles and Canada. Most recently we launched in Australia. We're also in UK, just to name a few. So, I mean, for
1: you, you you joined in February of 2020, which, yeah, historians will probably flag that time (laughs) as a very interesting period on our planet. So, like, you're coming in as a new chief people officer right in the early days of a global pandemic, the likes of which none of us living have seen. How do you navigate that? Like, how do you navigate being, um, you know, being both a a new employee kind of going through your own onboarding and relationship building and trust building and all the things that come with being a new executive with having to kind of perhaps even leverage that trust that you don't yet have to help the executive team make decisions around how the business is going to adapt, Uh, and evolve to the the pandemic while you're building your relationship with your team there's just there's so many different dynamics at play there i'm curious to get a sense of like what that was like for you
0: listening to you describe accurately i think what my experience was is making me so anxious this will truly go down in history as the most memorable experience in my career Um, So I joined, and the first decision I had to make three weeks later was to ask all of our employees to work from home. And in many ways, it was a blessing in disguise, I think. You know, pandemic elevated the importance of the HR functions. So as the pandemic began to grow and increase, and you began to realize that this is not a temporary thing, I and my team were looked to, to figure things out. How people felt became important, and my team and I had to quickly assume a role of keeping our company together. And we were granted trust to do that because there's no better prepared function than ours to take action to help people be healthy, be motivated, be engaged, and really feel supported during the most difficult time, personally and professionally. And on a personal level, it helped me, I think, in many ways to build the relationships with my CEO, Steve Hoffman, and my peers quickly, Um, actually all of our employees pretty quickly, because like you said, there was no time to earn trust So on the one hand, we had to work together as a leadership team and we had to pivot very quickly. On the other hand, when people go through something difficult together and everyone is struggling, everyone is trying to figure it out, it binds you. It actually builds relationships more deeply and faster. And if there wouldn't be pandemic, I would be in my first few months traveling a lot and as a result, probably less efficient in meeting lots of people quickly. So instead, three weeks after I joined, I'm sitting in this office at home and I just scheduled one-on-one calls and AMAs, which, you know, at Reddit means ask me anything, with employees that um, were attached to any particular office. With every employee resource groups. I did a one-on-one with every director in the company and above. So I had an opportunity to meet people in group settings through video screen, one on one, and I think it accelerated my onboarding, my understanding of the business, my understanding of the culture, and just allowed me to build those relationships sooner. So again, a blessing in disguise in many ways.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting you say that. I think that the, um, the idea that crisis can accelerate bonds and trust and connections because you, you're relying on each other, right? You, you, you have to be able to kind of lean on each other to navigate through that. Um, it's an interesting way that you kind of frame that, that actually, in some ways, despite I'm sure being difficult, helped accelerate your ability to build trust with your you know, executive peers um, and the employees and your team as well.
0: Just one one more thing worth mentioning that I I would imagine all of your listeners and you, Lars, can relate to. It allowed everyone to see their colleagues as human beings with their messy, complicated lives. And as a newbie coming into the company, normally it would take people a while to get to know me and get to know the full, right, me in my whole life. They immediately, in that first one-on-one, in that first all-hands meeting, would see my kids doing distance learning, asking me questions. I would be presenting at the all-hands meeting and cutting a crown for a project for my seven-year-old. My dogs are barking. I might be preparing lunch for my kids while I'm presenting to my team. So again, it accelerated that bond because they got to see the real me, not just you know this new executive that joined the company. Yeah,
1: that's such a that's such a great point. That that context of the humanity that we all have and show up as that didn't always come with us to work, you know. And I think some people kind of had this bit of a separation in terms of um, you know what what they brought to work, and uh, and I think that's. That's forever changed to uh, you know to an extent. You know, for you, like you're starting to as as your peers and contemporaries are beginning to design their, you know, return to workplace plans. You know, for those companies who had employees who were able to work from home, that's not all employees. So let's, you know, we'll state that, set that aside. We're just talking about the companies that did have employees that were able to work from home. They're beginning to design their return to workplace plans. And obviously the situation around us is still, we're still in the pandemic still very, uh, you know, dynamic and shifting as as we all know. And by the time this airs, it probably is going to be a little bit different than this is today. Uh, But you announced a uh, kind of hybrid flex program around how you're going to be thinking about return to workplace. So can you walk me through, like, what does that mean for Reddit? And and how did you go about kind of landing on that as the right model?
0: As pandemic went on, we also knew that people needed to make decisions about how they would work in the future, where they would work, where they wanted to leave. And we wanted to provide clarity to our employees so they know what to expect and they can start making those decisions wherever and whenever they wanted to do their work and whenever they, whenever we would reopen our offices. So we anchored on just helping our employees do their best work. And we evolved to this hybrid workforce model to just provide the right balance of flexibility and support to our employees, recognizing that people have to make various trade-offs considering where they were deciding to leave. So our teams will have the flexibility to explore where they work. In the office, when it's safe to do so, we plan to reopen soon remotely or a combination of the two. And that flexibility, one, is what employees desire. And two, during the pandemic, we've learned that people are effective and people show up and people are able to build relationships. And we're very intentional about maintaining a sense of community and culture at Reddit, that our culture does not live in offices. It lives in our hearts. It lives on how we engage with one another. And we trust that our employees will show up for Rated the way they have been for the last year and a half, no matter where they do their work from.
1: Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the show. I wanna take a brief break to share a new initiative that I think you'll find helpful. Redefining HR started with this podcast and evolved into a best-selling book laying a framework for modern HR and people operations. I'm excited to share the next evolution, the Redefining HR Accelerator. The Accelerator is a full platform to build, inspire, and support the next generation of people leaders, including cohort programs, courses, open source resources, and most importantly, community. Thanks to listeners like you, Redefining HR is now broadened in into a entire platform focused on building readiness for tomorrow's HR today. Learn more at RedefiningHR.com. And now back to the show. You know, I love the idea that culture doesn't live in offices. Cuz I think it's a, it's a progressive way to think about culture. I think that if you look at old school leaders and kind of legacy oriented leaders, it's like, you know, they've got a butts and seats approach to productivity and, and culture and it doesn't it doesn't have to be that way. And so in your announcement around flex work, one of the things that you announced for your employees in the US was that there would not be different tiers of compensation based on where you live. And I know that's something a lot of your peers were kind of grappling with, do you do you tie compensation to geo sets? Do you have, you know, one compensation level You know, people were all over the map in terms of what they decided was best for their company in that spectrum. Why was kind of having one set compensation across the U.S. right for Reddit?
0: We formed a philosophy that we want our employees to be rewarded for their performance, not their location. And what we found that the majority of our employees want the flexibility, again, to decide what works best for their unique situation and where they've field, they can do their best work. And the impact of our employees' performance just isn't differentiated based on their location. In fact, outside of US, in the countries where we've already had employees, we've had one geographical zone, even though there might be cost of living differentials in any particular country around the world. So why in US, Uh, we have geographical zones and we pay differently based on cost of living, just didn't make sense for our company. And we wanted consistency in how we reward our employees, pay for their performance, only differentiate between countries, but not within any particular country. And being an inclusive company to us also means meeting the diverse needs of our employees, as well as just creating avenues to help them maximize um, their potential, as well as our potential as a company, and tap into diverse talent pools throughout the United States, throughout the world. But it also meant, again, paying people based on performance, not based on their location, and with the latter, of very differentiate compensation, which for us would also differently impact different groups at Reddit and different people at Reddit. Um, so that philosophy um, proved to be quite effective and well-supported by our employees and also helps us, I believe, with attraction and retention of amazingly diverse employees that we want to work at Reddit. That, and that's
1: a good kind of segue to the next question i'm curious about you know you recently wrote a blog post earlier this year on reddit's cultural dna and it kind of went into some of your dei you know progress initiatives work ahead right because there's always work ahead but one of the things that you had mentioned in the blog post that um i'd love to learn a little bit more about was an internal podcast called uh courageous conversations so Tell me more about that, because I've I've seen, uh, you know, lots of different campaigns, I think, and and initiatives that organizations lead. Uh, A lot of them tend to come from ERG groups, uh, you know, where they put the burden on them of doing a lot of the the heavy lifting as opposed to having some of these more broad internal conversations uh, around this. So... um, How did that come to be? How do employees participate? What what are some of the shows like? Uh, I'd love to hear more.
0: Love our Courageous Conversations podcast. Um, Christina Sharif, who is our first head of diversity, inclusion, and belonging, came up with the idea. And it's a real talk. She's fearless about asking hard questions without code switching in the spirit of vulnerability. And whether she speaks with someone who perhaps is transitioning their gender identity or a black female in tech or anyone else who is too often othered. Her goal is to connect our employees to real emotions, real experiences, real stories. And we believe that is how we build an inclusive culture. It's not just through inclusion training. It's through understanding other people's experiences and then developing empathy and developing respect for those experiences, for those different perspectives, for the different people. And through these courageous conversation podcasts, we bring these real stories to life and allow our employees to connect in ways that you can not through training or through just even one-on-one coaching.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think stories are such a powerful conveyor of information and ideas and opening minds. I think, you know, for training, you know, training is certainly effective in the context of some things, but I think too often as it relates to work in diversity, equity, inclusion, we rely on things like unconscious bias training. And we think that that's just going to, you know, open everybody's minds and allow them to think differently. And that's, you know, the studies have shown that's not the case. And so I think when you can connect it to stories and real human experiences, particularly of your colleagues. It just frames it in a very different way. So yeah, it was, uh, I, was, I was very interested when I read that. I think that's an interesting practice that I think when, when organized in the right way by somebody like uh, you know, who you mentioned, that can be a really powerful way of, of sparking conversations, real conversations um, within organizations as it relates to this work.
0: And it already builds on our culture. So, we have a very communal culture. Uh, our employees, because they believe in our mission of bringing a sense of community and belonging to everyone in the world, we of course tend to hire and retain people who are very communal in nature and they believe in the power of community. They're very kind, very supportive. So, when you're listening to these courageous conversation podcasts and you hear your colleagues share such a raw, stories and they're so vulnerable and they're granting their colleagues trust by sharing their stories with them, our employees show up. They can show up as kind, supportive, empathetic, and you begin to realize the work that you have to do as an individual to make sure that your colleague doesn't have bad experiences. That your colleagues is respected, is seen, is heard, is valued. Um, so it's truly really powerful.
1: And you know, Nelly, we're in this kind of interesting time in HR and the people space right now where so many things are changing. And obviously the pandemic was a huge catalyst for a lot of the change, whether it's thinking about things like remote work, asynchronous work, um, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion. I mean, so many key pillars of HR. I think the way that we think about them and look at them now are fundamentally different than they were even 18 months ago. And so as this change continues, like, what do you get most excited about? When you you think about the HR, the the people function that's going to emerge on the other side of this pandemic and what that's going to look like, what gets you most excited?
0: The idea of me in the moment, whatever that moment will be, again, the pandemic proved to us that we can't plan and prepare for everything. We don't know what the future of workforce will be. The future of HR will be. I think we've been proving that. But to be able to flex and pivot and innovate, and at the end of the day, always do the right thing to help your businesses and your employees succeed in the intersection between the two is what I'm most excited about. I'm intrigued to keep reevaluating all the things that we do, whether they're truly impactful, and if the answer is maybe not, to stop it, try without it, see what happens. Did we lose our effectiveness? Are we less successful? I always talk to my team about experimenting more, not being afraid to try new approaches, not being afraid to fail. I think for the longest time in HR, we've been so risk-averse because we are supposed to be perfect as a function. We are supposed to help everyone else out and know exactly what to do. We do not. You know, we we can meet the moment. We try to solve complex problems together. But more importantly, we learn and evolve and keep getting better as a function. So the future of HR to me is very agile. Use one of the HR buzzwords. Um, It's about testing, experimentation. And last but not least, and this is a very personal belief of mine, bigger, fewer, and better, meaning only the most impactful programs and processes, and as few of them as possible, so that most of our time as an HR team is actually spent with leaders, spent with employees, spent shaping culture, and not spent managing programs and ensuring adherence to policies.
1: I think a lot of what you walk through is kind of textbook of the difference between legacy HR and modern HR and kind of the drivers of modern HR. It's such an exciting time to be working in this space and, and literally kind of building a bridge to something that doesn't exist right now. So that's uh, that's exciting. And uh, I, I we could spend an hour talking about the work you're doing at Reddit. I know we don't have that because I do want to make sure that I uh, give the listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better through our lightning round. So are you ready to jump right in?
0: I'm ready, I think. All
1: right. Uh, Okay, music. I'm a huge music nerd. I'm checking out your Spotify playlist. Uh, Who will I learn are your top three artists?
0: Metallica number one. Russian rock band, Leningrad. Okay. And then a new one that I actually got introduced to by my eight-year-old, Lil Nas X obsessed
1: yeah very cool yeah i uh you know i i appreciate you dropping metallica without giving me the lars reference that uh that i have only heard a million times so uh yes my drum skills are not quite at that level but um okay your least favorite hr buzzword
0: i once googled and got a list of the most annoying hr buzzwords and in full disclosure i use all of them i actually like buzzwords they're really shortcut for me but if i were to choose one that i do not use and it's the new normal again because i don't mm. think there's such thin as the new normal what the new normal is last month is very different than it is this month or i know yeah. it will be different in three months
1: yeah i yeah we can't there is no normal like we can't lock onto a term that isn't congruent with our experience right now, what we're going to be going through. Actually, true story. I, I asked somebody that question in a previous podcast. And in my question, I used the buzzword that was their least favorite buzzword. So I'm guilty of that too. I, th- I think we all are. That was, uh, you know, it happens. Um, what is your, I know not put putting you on the spot here, somebody who runs all of uh, of HR, but what is your favorite HR function?
0: Without the obvious, which is right, because I actually think I have an amazing team and we do awesome work like quickly growing, evolving, accompanying, sustaining what is amazing about our culture, but knowing what we need to evolve and be ahead of it and be very intentional. So I'm very proud of the work we are doing. It's also fun to do the work now with a smaller team and just really nimble and know everything um, that we are doing. But um, besides the obvious answer about my current theme, I would have to say Netflix. That yeah. was a very unique HR experience. It's a very unique culture and to try to do HR where there's an aversion to processes, policies, and programs is challenging, but also pushes you to innovate and truly focus on what is most important in solving the most important problems. So the team that I've worked with at Netflix was absolutely
1: superb. I mean, look, I think when you're working in that environment, that is very anti-process for the sake of process, right? Because I think, you know, legacy HR, we, we have a lot of processes. You know, there's a lot of bureaucracy associated with that. That's part of what the hit on, you know, the, the negative stigmas of HR as policy cops. I think when you're in an environment that's very ruthless about streamlining and like saying, like, is this additive, does this support the business or the culture or the employees? No, move on. That's a great foundational place to be, I think, that can that you can apply to every subsequent role. If you weren't working in HR, what would you be doing?
0: I would own a coffee shop. I've had this dream since I was, I think, 13 or 14 years old. I'm a baker. I bake a lot. An idea of having a small coffee shop in some small town. Maybe there's cobblestone streets. And then I know my customers... My kids, well actually by the time I have a coffee shop, it's probably my grandkids. And they're just doing homework in the back while I'm baking and serving coffee and listening to everyone's stories and saying good morning to every neighbor in this little town, that's my vision.
1: And uh, now the last question for you, Um, who is one contemporary of yours? So who's one HR leader who you admire and why?
0: That's the hardest. Question out of all of the questions you asked. Um, to be honest, I do not have one person. I have an amazing network of people, and you're in it, Lars. And the opportunity to ask a question and know that I'm going to get an honest answer, and no one is you know, precious about retaining information and not sharing it. And I have different people that I go to for different things. I have compensation gurus. I have amazing HR coaches, amazing recruiting gurus, and a quick email, a quick text, a quick question, and have it reciprocate. I'm very proud, actually, of how tight the HR industry is. Like, I see that we're so well connected and even reading the redefining hr newsletter and having people share their stories through this collection of articles that you share i've been a fan of all of your podcasts and in every podcast i learn something new from one of my peers there might be a nugget there might be five nuggets but i always walk away thinking oh that was interesting i should try that so all of my peers and
1: colleagues, I feel like, are the HR practitioners I admire. Yeah, no, I well, A, I appreciate that feedback. Um, that's kind of you. And, and B, I, I couldn't agree more in terms of just the, um, you know, the peer communities, the the, the peer sets, um, and the level of sharing and openness and collaboration that is happening today is more than it's ever been uh, in the field. And I think as we've embraced, you know, open source and open practices and collaborative practices and got away from some of this war for talent, zero-sum, you know, black box thinking of the past, it's only accelerated all of our growth uh, and impact and capabilities. So I'll forgive you for not, you know, singling out one person uh, for bringing the full community in because I think that is also important to recognize. So Nellie, thanks so much for making time to kind of share your story and your experience on the podcast. I really appreciate your time.
0: Thank you for having me. This was fun and my pleasure.
1: Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book, or free resources, be sure to check out RedefiningHR.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week.